0: Welcome to Because We Make, the podcast about making creativity and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host Vincent Ferrari, and joining me from another quarantine location out east, Ethan Carter. Howdy, What's up, man. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, you know, lockdown. In there. Yeah, Locked exactly. Down, man. You know, right. forced forced to stay in the house. Yeah,
1: we, we're officially going on uh, shelter in place at noon tomorrow. So.
0: Oh, you are. Yeah. So they're doing it out there too. Yep. Officially. Wow. Yeah, it was it was weird. Like Friday, we were I was at work. And I was just, you know, it was just a normal day at work. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, by the way, um, we're going to start doing this on Sunday. And I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I'm just going home. Yeah. Like, I I don't, I'm just going home now. And they're like, yeah, go home, work from home for the rest of the day. And that's what I did. I went home and I worked from home for the rest of the day. Well, the funny thing for me
1: is, uh, as you know, I I work from home two days a week anyways. So Mm -hmm. I already have my setup. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually like, I I love it, you know, and, um, but, but. I can see if you didn't have the setup, it could be kind of awkward. Like I have the double monitors. I've got everything set up. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. my office is a actual office. It's not like, but then, you know, some of the, you know, new, new, newer employees, they have like their laptop and they have their, (laughs) uh, secondary monitor on top of like pizza boxes, you know? Oh yeah, totally.
0: It's, 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 I feel for I feel for people when I see their work at home space and it's like their dining room table. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm it's like, so oh, hard. that yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so we have a couple of interesting things to talk about, but it would be rude if we went on and on and on and didn't talk about it. guys. We have a guest. We do. We I have an one. actual good. guest, and we can ask one of the most burning questions in the makerspace of this guest, which I will ask immediately. But first, let's introduce Chris from Cow Dog Craftworks. What's going on, man? Hey, Chris. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Now, Chris, is. we've delayed having Chris on because, as you all know, I value the clean tag very, very (laughs) high. And Chris's Chris's slogan is clean lines and dirty jokes. So I'm a little scared, but I think we'll be okay. (laughs) We're doing great. Yeah, I think I'll be able to
2: keep it professional.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. So the question, the, the eternal question, the question that's burning through everyone's mind is, what in the hell is a cow dog? <laughs> so Actually, no, but I'm going to let you go. Yeah.
2: yeah, so I have three. Well, I have two dogs and my girlfriend has a dog, but my two dogs are black and white. And the older dog is an Australian Shepherd, Blue Heeler, um, American Bulldog mix. And he is essentially a cattle dog, and that's where the namesake kind of comes from. We would call him Cow Dog. He goes out back, he chews on some grass in his free time. So
1: <laughs> well, and he's spotted him. like a, like a cow. I mean he's got the yeah, black and he's, white spotting. The markings,
2: yes, yeah. exactly. And uh, <laughs> it's very interesting. So I came up with the name and then the logo, which is super goofy, is actually my older dog with a cow udder. And the uh, the way that came about is I was sitting at a bar with one of my buddies who does a little, you know, freehand artistry. And he wanted to do a logo for me, and he just kept asking me. He's like, "What do you want? You know, what are you feeling?" And I was like, "I don't know, man. Just throw a cow udder on my, you know, my dog. Like, just do that." (laughs) And here we are.
1: So. And here we are.
0: That's awesome. It's a fantastic. I I gotta say, it's a fantastic logo. I I love it. It's just the. I think it's a great name too. It 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 rolls off the tongue. It's very good. So. It's one of those. It's one of those names that just kind of. It's just a. it's just fun. It's just yeah. even the name is just fun. So well, so I got I got uh,
1: two of your cutting boards at one of the auctions, Chris. Uh, I think it was almost yes. a year ago now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I gave one of them to my dad, and it had your brand on it, and he cracked up. He didn't even know what it was about, but he cracked up, so it was good. Well, you know, it's not every day you see, an, uh, you see a dog with, with milk udders. I mean, it's just like, oh, okay, cool.
0: So Especially a male dog
2: get... with cow udders.
0: <laughs> well yeah that's a whole uh, I mean you know it's current year we can we can have things It's um I before we get too far into it, uh, it there's an elephant in the room obviously that we're all to one extent or another dealing with um and we would be remiss in not mentioning it so first off I hope all of you are safe sound secure healthy everybody's getting through this craziness that we're going through um we were going to talk about The original plan was we were going to talk about the challenge that we want to do this week. The truth of the matter is that it's not a challenge that you probably would have supplies for readily available in your house. So I don't think now would be a great time to have people start buying materials for a challenge for a podcast. It just didn't feel, I mean, you guys feel free to correct if we're wrong, but it just didn't feel like the right time to do something like that. So for now, the challenge is going to happen, but it's probably going to happen after things calm down a little. And they are going to calm down. It's already starting to feel... I was at the stores yesterday, and it's already starting to feel a lot different from how it felt a couple of weeks ago. So I'm hoping that that's a trend. I'm hoping that that's just the beginning of things going back to normal, or at least closer to normal than they were. But for now, we're just going to put the challenge on hold, and then you know, in a couple of weeks we'll reassess and then maybe do it then when everybody's in a better position to support, you know, making stuff for a podcast challenge. I yeah.
1: Think. I, I mean, we, we talked about it ahead of time and I, I'm in a complete agreement. I think it's just, it's one of those things where it's, it's just not the right time. And, yeah. and, and, you know, we want it to be fun and, and uh, everyone to be able to get the materials that they want to get to make the best thing they can. So yeah, I mean, it's just not the right want, time.
0: We don't want to do shelter in place making. Like it's as fun as that could be a challenge in itself. I was gonna say that could actually be a challenge. Like you have to make something with only what you have in your shop, but some of you people have some serious stuff. I mean, I've seen your supplies of stuff. I mean our guest over here has like random pieces of ash in his shop, you know. I've never even worked with ash and he's got some as scrap, so Yeah, we um, that's we're gonna put that on hold. We do definitely want to do it. One hundred percent want to do it. Yeah. In fact, we already know the topic. We yeah. we've already decided what it's gonna be. I think I I might have given it away a couple of weeks ago. I said, yeah, screw everything. That's the idea. Um, and then we basically assumed that Brandy would just win if she entered anyway. So, <laughs> um, that's that's where we're at, everyone. Okay, good. Now that we got the uh, housekeeping out of the way, let's talk to Chris for a minute. Yeah. So. Chris, um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your, you know, your day job, how you got into, you are one of the coolest freaking woodworkers on YouTube, on Instagram. So why don't you tell everybody how you got your start and, you know, what your background is, give people a little bit of a bio on who you are and what you're about. Okay. So, I mean, in a long
2: story short sort of way, I am an attorney by day and I do this whole woodworking content creation thing um, after that, I guess, day ends. So I am actually a state employee. I'm a prosecutor for the state of Florida. And then after that is done, and sometimes during my lunch breaks and off times while it's going on, I am, uh, you know, designing, trying to, you know, obviously keep the marketing, uh, going on Instagram and making stuff in my free time. Um, I, fancy myself to be primarily a woodworker i don't really identify fully with the whole maker title but with that being said i definitely use it for marketing purposes hashtag makers movement um
1: smart man but
2: yeah. With that being said, I mean, the way that I got started with all this is, uh, I would say about four to five years ago, I had purchased my house and I was always a little bit handy. I had some tools. Um, I knew how to you know, use a circular saw. I had just a couple of basic things. And after I got done working on my house, which was a foreclosure and just kind of doing the very bare bones, basic remodel of an empty house, I realized I needed furniture and furniture was quite expensive, and by the time I had spent money on the renovation and closing costs and, you know, this, that, and the other, I was broke. So <laughs> the next thing I realized was, man, I need to put something in this house. I need a bed to sleep on. I need a table to eat off of. And a friend of mine who ended up actually renting a room for me turned me on, believe it or not, to Mike for Modern Builds. And that is how I made my first table was, uh, yeah, his uh, dining table. It was like something out of uh, some one-inch stock and just threw some hairpin legs on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. And even from a very early on, just if you watch my videos, if you see my content, I'm always kind of – putting a little bit of a twist on things or like seeing something that was done and being like hey why can't you just do it this way mm-hmm. so um that table he had uh used a doweling jig to bring all the boards together And I immediately was like, well, why don't you just use a pocket hole jig? Which is kind of funny because that's like the opposite (laughs) of like what, you know, woodworkers out here would probably say these days.
0: That's blasphemous. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was like,
2: why don't you just... And when you're starting out in woodworking too, I think one of the things that you sort of think in your head is why isn't the mechanical fastener better than glue and some dowels? So Mm -hmm. anyway that's the dining tables where it started and then it turned into a coffee table it turned into benches for that dining table it turned into a dresser for myself it turned into a bed and the next thing you know i mean my entire house aside from the couch that i sit on every day is you know some sort of furniture piece that i've made
1: well what are you doing why why haven't you made a sofa yet (laughs) you're, you're really, oh, <laughs>
2: upholstery on? is really and it's funny because i've gotten some requests for some upholstered items and yeah. uh yeah so upholstery has been something that's in in the hopper but it's not something i pulled the trigger on
0: yeah but, i actually have a, an old chair in the basement that was um beth's grandmother's chair and it really just needs it the frame the wood part of it is fantastic. But boy, does it need to be reupholstered and I'm just sitting there going Yeah, that's not ready yet. Like I'm not ready to touch on like upholstery yet That's not a skill that I have yet. Yeah, there's something there's some kind of roadblock I I have the same sense. It's just like
1: there's something that is hard to overcome or something I don't know.
0: No, totally. The only upholstery video I've ever even seen from the regular crop of people that I watch is um, Evan from bring your own tools he did a um, he redid like a chair or a couch in one of his rooms, and it was like yeah that just looks like a lot of work.
1: Yeah, right. Well, so let, let me ask you this, Chris. So, so I mean, you, that's how you got started, and one of the things I, I like about your channel and or and you just as as a woodworker is I feel like you have a great balance of kind of power tools and hand tools. And so when did when did you start incorporating the hand tools into kind of your workflow and stuff like that? Was it because you wanted to, or was there a specific like need uh, that you couldn't achieve with power tools? That's actually a
2: really interesting question. And I don't quite know what the answer to that is. What I will say <laughs> is that probably, I'd say give or take about two years ago, I got a fascination with chisels and okay. just kind of I saw some guys on Instagram using chisels and using them in such a way where I was like, all right, like, this seems like something cool. Maybe just to make the little curlies. I don't know. You know, like, there was mm-hmm. just some sort of fascination that came from seeing it. And then the next thing you know, I'm like two, $3,000 deep down, <laughs> you know, the hand tool road. It's funny um, how that works, right? Yeah, exactly. But what <laughs> I can say is that what I've found with hand tools is that it's much easier to get things perfect with hand tools and it's a lot less stressful because you're not mm. really it slows things down, you know, it slows the pace down. It slows everything down to the point that you can really focus on what you're doing. And you're taking, you know, for instance with a hand plane, right? You're taking thousands of an inch off at a time. Right. So, if you're trying to flush up two boards and make sure that they are perfectly even, there's no better way in my opinion than to do it with a hand plane. And to literally just, you know, take these very measured passes until it is absolutely the way you want. And from a finish perspective, I think the finish that you get from a sheared surface is far it just far exceeds a sanded surface. And yeah, no, I totally
1: agree with that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, like a good example of this is if you I mean, we've all made cutting boards, right? So this is probably something I think that's very applicable for all three of us. If you put your, you know, your cutting board through a planer, when you get that first you know fresh off the planer with super sharp knives and you touch your surface i mean that surface is almost finer than like any sanded surface assuming that you didn't experience any tear out etc then you know that's a finer uh, finer finish than you could ever achieve from a sanding right so being able to use a smoother a card scraper those sort of um kind of niche tools um that is to me a much finer finish than i'll get from just you know sanding even up to super high grits really
0: yeah it's interesting i feel like i feel like that's one of the lost arts because i remember when i was growing up like we didn't have a whole ton of money but my dad was a carpenter and you know all of his tools he he had i think he had like a black and decker power drill And, like, a Black & Decker circular saw. And those were the only two power tools he actually had. You know, so everything. He had, like, a whole bunch of planes and a whole bunch of chisels and a whole bunch of hammers and a whole bunch. Everything he had was, like, in sets, but none of it was powered. And he would just sit there, you know, sharpening his planes and making curl after curl after curl after curl. And I was just fascinated by, you know, the amount of work that would go into just simple little tasks But he loved to just sit there with the wood, line everything up, and just calmly go at it with this plane, and then put that plane down, and then pick up another one, and start... And I still, to this day, I don't know the difference Mm -hmm. between all the different types of planes, but that was my dad's thing. Like, he loved the craft of working with hand tools. Like, hand tools were his thing. He just loved it. And... I feel like that's kind of lost. Like, we're all just a bunch of battery-obsessed bastards now. Right. You know, we we love power tools, and I'm one of them. I admit it. I love my power tools. I rarely use hand tools, but, yeah, you're 100% right. That feeling, I, I imagine that feeling when you get something out of the planer is probably about what you would get when you really plane something out, like, you know some people make really nice cafe tables for example um, <laughs> they 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 sit there and they work it like crazy with multiple different kinds of planes and it's like yeah wow i can you can kind of see the finish starting to come together on it. it's it's amazing well and i, I as i was saying I, th- I think one of the cool things
1: is you know there's the people that are never use hand tools and there's people that are swear that you know anyone that doesn't that uses anything with power is not a real woodworker and all that th- that whole argument but what i what i appreciate the most is when when i watch someone that knows what they're doing and uses both sets for the right purposes and the right application because i then it's then it's like okay there, there's it, it's not one or the other it's there's the right time to use a table saw there's a the right time to use a hand plane
0: right yeah oh yeah I even think even, I mean, even even you, Chris, I mean, you know, as much as you use all the hand tools, there's still a table saw in your shop, you know, it's you're not averse to using a table saw, a normal drill, you know, stuff like that. I mean, a domino. <laughs> right.
2: Oh, yeah. And what I would say, too, is really the table saw is the heart of my shop. And if you, you know, spend any time watching my videos, I mean, you'll see that. Like, I don't have a proper miter saw. You know, I don't have a big 10-inch or 12-inch miter saw. Right. I have... A very high-powered expensive table saw but I literally use that for yes and exactly and that's that's the purpose behind that is mm-hmm. you know I'm trying to maximize the efficiency of my shop by using a table saw to every I guess to any capability that it can do, right? I mean, yep. I'm not as far as, say, Izzy Swan, where he's using the table saw as a lathe and you know, <laughs> doing some I don't goofy, goofy stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. think
0: anyone's at that point. Jesus.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that, you know, uh, the other day I was watching Jory Brigham and just kind of going mm-hmm. down the YouTube rabbit hole. And I was watching how he was uh, cove cutting on the table saw. And, I mean, he's not the first guy to ever do that by any means, but, I mean, that's... a hell out of me. <laughs> it's a totally new sort of imagination for me where I'm like, man, like, I could do some, you know, really cool things with the table saw just by changing the path and changing, you know, the angle of the blade and just right. all those little things. But, anyway, to, you know, sort of get back into that is, yes, there is a time and a place for power tools. And, I mean, really, to me most of the hand tool woodworking is for fine tuning. It's right. You know, I rough stuff down primarily with power tools. And then I get into the little fine nitty gritty as far as uh, making sure that everything's short up, flushed up, finished all with uh, hand tools.
1: Well, I think there's something too. And, and we've talked about it with challenges or anything like that. There's um, going back to kind of the amount that you do with a table saw is when there's a limitation on whether it's the space that you have or the tools that you have and there's a need and a creativity, it's amazing how much you can get done if you are if you think about things outside the box. And, and I, I mean that with like jigs or Izzy Swan, you know, you can do so much with a table saw. You don't need a jointer and a, and a planer if you know how to make some jigs the right way,
0: right? Oh, yeah, totally. Like I've, a jointer is one of those things where it's like, I really could get some use out of this. Mm-hmm. But I just can't justify it. I cannot justify it. Like, I know how to do that on a table saw. Right. And it's become so routine for me to do it on a table saw that I feel like introducing a jointer into my shop would actually slow me down. Because I, for, at least for the first few projects I do with it, it's going to be like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Let's right. just kind of make this work. Whereas if you give it to me and say, here's a table saw, can you joint this up? you damn right I can. I can do it in my <laughs> sleep. Like, let's do well, it yeah. right now. <laughs> Vincent, if you want to hear
2: sort of a fun fact is that the, uh, the lumber mill where I get all my uh, lumber from, it's actually a Marine supply place. And, uh, those guys don't have a joiner at a lumber yard. Really? Yeah. mm mm-hmm. They use a track saw or a table saw. And if you want sort of a bang for your buck, I mean, I don't have a joiner, so I do okay. a lot of stuff. If I'm jointing, I'm either jointing on the table saw using a straight line rip jig, or I'm using my track saw or i'm busting out that big old number eight uh white hand plane and jointing that way that's a really fun way of doing it too (laughs) but uh yeah like i i mean i don't have a jointer most actually of the folks that i know around town that would work as well and shout out to uh the south florida makers alliance like none of those guys really have jointers i can maybe count like one or two of them out of you know 10 or 12 um But yeah, like, jointers are one of those things. It's a luxury, and it's nice to have, but it's absolutely not necessary.
0: It's funny, because that's one of those tools, and that's exactly how I see it, too. Like, a jointer is a complete and total luxury, whereas I am really, 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 really close, and I keep fighting back because they're expensive. I really want to get a track saw, because I can see the use of it, and I just... I, I don't want to pull the trigger on it because it's like you can get away without it. You've gotten away without it for this long. But it's one of those things where I'm really having more and more trouble fighting the desire to pick one up. What what, uh, what track star do you have, Chris? Uh, I've
2: got the Festool, ts Fes- oh, Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's out Which, of my but, budget anyway. Let me tell you know, a little hack, start.
2: though. let me tell you a quick hack before Ethan, you know, jumps back in. Is um, if you want Festool stuff that's a little bit discounted, Festool has a reconditioned site. It's called FestoolRecon dot com, and that's that's where. There, yeah, I got my Festool um, track saw with the track uh, for about seven hundred bucks.
1: Oh wow! Whoa! Well, and and that's about the price of some of the other competitors, you know. So, I mean, which are not as.
0: Yeah, I, Good, I right. was I was actually to a point where I was going to get the Craig AccuCut, yeah. and then I realized like I could get that and it would be fine, right? But now I got to set it up on the plate of the saw, and if I'm not spot on, it's like oh well, there you go. You just drilled a hole in the plate of your saw and you put it on. and It's not straight, so all that to get it straight. It's like um, well, see, yeah, I, yeah and, and for me like that uh, was ACS the the Craig
1: actual Craig track saw yeah the uh the what's it called the AccuCut is that what they call no it? no ACS actually, uh, whatever it is it's I mean adaptive it's, cutting so, system yeah, the yeah, yeah 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 the
0: adaptive cutting system yeah I feel like it. I think
1: for for the amount of woodworking that I do that would get me that would be more than enough for my mm-hmm. precision and stuff like that so I think there are what what's nice is I think there are starting to be track saws out there that. You know, are good enough for different levels, and you know the Makita has a good one from what I've Makita heard. Makita has a
0: very good one, apparently. yeah. And yeah. so
1: I, I think there's the nice thing is there are options, but yeah, at the end of the day, the best tool is still, I think. Oh, the it's the best. king. I mean, yeah. it's it all. De- yeah,
2: it all depends on what you're using it for, yeah. and what you're trying to cut. Because so for most folks, most guys are using it to cut down sheet goods, really. So that's right. what I want it
0: for. It's exactly yeah. what I want it for.
2: And for that, especially for somebody like you, Vincent, I would suggest. Well, actually, Festool has a battery-powered one as well, but they make the battery-powered um, track saws, and that's mm-hmm. great because you can go to the home center and literally bring a bring a pair of sawhorses and cut up some
0: stuff right in the parking lot. You that's know? how I do everything, basically. Yeah, <laughs> saw horses and a circular a battery-operated You're that circular saw. That guy in the parking lot. Well, I have. Yeah. You know what? You know what it is. I mean, now I'm not so much because now I have a pickup truck. But I used to be that guy when I had my Honda Civic. You know, you you want to bring stuff, you can't carry it. Oh, you yeah. can't put a 12 foot beam. In a Honda Civic. It well, just even even uh,
1: my I mean I have a four door Wrangler, and even that I have to I can't get a full sheet it's, of plywood in there without the back window open and slanted. And yeah. oh, totally. Yeah.
0: And and now now you know now it's a little different. Now I have the pickup truck, and I I do tend to get lazy, and I just grab it, and just throw it in the bed, and say, "Screw it, we'll figure it out when I get home." But <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely though for sheet goods, because one of the things that I've I keep shying away from doing is projects that use sheet goods because they're such a pain in the ass. I have a very small table saw. And it's probably about the biggest saw based on the weird orientation and where the power outlets are. It's probably about the biggest table saw I can actually fit in. Even though my shop is huge, there's not a lot of space for a big table saw. And it's kind of one of those things where, okay, if I'm not going to be able to deal with sheet goods on my table saw, which is not realistic, then instead of buying project boards which cost three times as much then the next step is going to be i got to figure out a better way to break them down and that's where the track saw is starting to go yeah look at me Might i'm be, the yeah. most attractive option i'm the most attractive option it's it's hard to it's hard to not just jump on amazon or whatever and just grab one like well see this point. I, for, for me it's
1: i now that you're saying that I want to get one just so I don't have to deal with the old guys at Woodcraft that will refute like that give me the hardest time to cut down the like 14 foot piece of walnut that I want. <laughs> they give me they're like there's nobody in the shop and they they look at me like I'm, you know, ruining their lives to yeah. ask them to cut it in half. It's ridiculous. But.
0: Yeah, it's the same. I mean, it's the same if you go to Home Depot and you ask yeah. them to use the panel saw to cut anything, it's like, wait, I got to turn this thing on? Like, hold on, we got to get somebody to come. And it's like, but there's nobody in the store. What do you do? You're working this section. Like, what, what's your role here? What exactly do you say you do here? But, um, yeah, we it's dealing with sheet goods is a real pain in the ass which is one of the reasons i like making cutting boards because you don't have to deal with sheet goods when you're working when you're right. making cutting boards <laughs> yeah totally uh, so chris how much do you get how much uh
1: stuff do you get from pj so it depends well, actually, on we what i probably getting. tell people who pj is
2: yeah and actually that's a good that's a good tie-in too because i was like shouting him out as well so you know to get back into my origin story a little bit um one of the sort of i guess biggest marks of my progression is when pj and i linked back up and um he's a good friend of mine we actually went to what's his account
1: just so we give him a shout out it is at
2: pj underscore fetcher it is f-e-t-s-c-h-e-r
1: so he's a teacher and he has a like a full like uh what do you call it, mill or something in his yeah. backyard, right? So he's he like is a, a
2: carpentry teacher at the local high school, and he sort of revived the carpentry program there. And he has a Lucas Mill sawmill um, that he purchased for himself, really. And then he started the carpentry program, and then he brings the mill to school, and he's kind of, you know, teaching kids about. Essentially, urban sawmilling and you know being an urban lumberjack, really. So did you know this,
0: Vincent, at all? I had no idea. I'm looking at his Instagram account right now. It's, as you're it's talking. crazy. It's like in his backyard. It's like nuts. Yeah, That's yeah. And, and he's got a crane. Yeah. Yeah, it's, he's got a lot of stuff. I actually
2: have, I mean, to shout out my channel further, um, Hmm. there's a video of um, him, you know, slabbing a log. I did like a full, just PJ profile, essentially, where we got some Indian rosewood surfaced it. I mean, the machine that he has, the Lucas mill is pretty amazing. So it's a chainsaw mill, and I believe the widest cutting capacity on it's 55 inches. And it's completely portable because it's designed, I wanna say it's an Australian company and it's designed to essentially go out into the outback or the jungle and literally build up around a log and then slab it out and take the log out. (laughs) And it also has um, a surfacing head too. So it's got a circular carbide planer head that you can attach onto it to surface your lumber. And then he just recently, I haven't even actually seen it yet, got a sanding attachment so you can also sand with it too and That's it's
3: nuts.
1: yeah it's so pretty does sweet he, i mean does he dry the wood out i mean does he like where does he do that so he's air
2: drying everything primarily okay. and he does have a climate controlled shipping container that is next to his shop but he's been primarily using that as an epoxy pour room because here in south florida the temperature is i mean it's just hot right so with epoxy the chemical reaction starts to get exothermic way too quick here so Mm. you know when you see those black forest guys doing 30 liter epoxy pours all in one go (laughs) that's because it's 10 degrees in canada i mean (laughs) here where you know it's 85 degrees with 200 percent humidity it's just not practical so when he does uh, when pj does his river tables they're um I believe it's a half inch to about a one inch pour at a time. And he just stacks wow. and stacks the layers up and that's in a climate controlled environment as well. So, I mean, that's just to give you a little insight as to epoxy. And yeah. It's actually not that bad. I mean, it'll take a couple, a couple of days, but uh, you know, it's a process for sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I do get a pretty decent amount of wood from him. Um, I'm definitely not a large source of his business because he's always giving me the bro deal on everything. So, you know, there's that. But, I mean, with that being said, I mean, he lives probably less than a quarter mile down the road. And um, he's, you know, a huge influence. And, I mean, just he's a great support system to have, for sure.
1: You guys have been friends forever, right? Like,
2: Yeah. So, interestingly enough, we went to elementary school together. And then we went to different middle, high school, and colleges. Like, we didn't see each other for... I mean, onwards of 20 something years. And then when I got into woodworking, a buddy of mine was like, Hey, I know a guy that sells live edge slabs. And I've been wanting to, you know, get into live edge slabs because I have a computer and I've seen Instagram. So I was like, Oh, you know, river tables, these are cool. And, uh, so he shows me, you know, this guy's Instagram and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know that guy. And I'm, I'm very good with faces. It's just kind of a weird thing I have. So I'm. I say, I'm like, yeah, like, I'm pretty sure I went to elementary school with him. And sure enough, I messaged him and he's like, he remembered me instantly. So, yeah, that's, uh, we've, we've been friends since. I mean, it's, it's been great.
0: That's awesome. That is, I, I, I'm always amazed. I'm always amazed by the way these, these, um, these mills work. I love watching, I love watching lumber get milled. Like, start out with these these gigantic logs and hump them up on there and wedge them in and just start slabbing them up. And it's like, wow, that is just such a cool, cool process. Like, the Macromona and the April Wilkerson. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so just, fun. Yeah. It's just like a whole other. It's, you know, we get down rabbit holes. We get down rabbit holes, obviously, with, you know, making and woodworking even and it's like yeah I, I like i like going you know going to woodcraft and picking out a really nice piece of wood and coming home making something nice out of it and these guys are like yeah hold my beer <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start with the actual log <laughs> right. i'm going to make that yeah what what i, I got it like that's got to be the greatest feeling in the world though like to go from like we act like we are going from raw materials when we're making right. stuff these guys are truly going from the plant to the product with yeah. their stuff it's just the stuff you have to learn like drying and it just it's yeah it's very cool it's a hell of a rabbit hole to go down yeah
2: the learning curve is monstrous too and it's quite interesting because i mean i'll say like you know we're all still learning right so Mm -hmm. one of the things that we come across sometimes is being a little overconfident as to how dry something is when it's not Mm -hmm. quite as dry Mm -hmm. as you think it is and then you know, the next thing you know, you get it in air conditioning and that sucker, you know, is dried out like a sponge and yeah. looks all, you know, shrivelly and kind of weird. And you're like, all right, this is not, uh, <laughs> not what we thought it was to right. say the least. So, um, yeah, but it's one of the great things about it is, I mean, these are trees that are literally left out for bulk pickup. You know, we're not going around and cutting these trees down. they are trees that are, you know, being scrapped out essentially, or if somebody, I guess wanted to put in a swimming pool and they needed a little extra room and um, we don't have a lot of the trees that the rest of the country has, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so I mean, for instance, walnut, right? Like you see walnut pretty much everywhere. It's almost like a pest in the Midwest. I mean, people are paying money to get rid of walnut trees. Mm -hmm. We have uh, mahogany trees down here. So I mean, case in point, I have a monster mahogany tree in my backyard, and so mahogany is like a wood that we get. Uh, we call it jokingly the walnut of South Florida, but uh, <laughs> you know we've there's a bunch of rosewood down here as well. There's like Indian uh, and Brazilian rosewood, tamarind, acacia. Crazy. I mean, there's a yeah, there's a whole different mess of species that you don't really see anywhere else that we all get down here. Yeah, so it's really cool. And-
0: We're not in that. We're not on that level up here. No, not at all. Yeah. (laughs) What do we get? Pine and fir, and Uh, maybe if we're lucky, birch. We got the garbage
1: up here. We get. We do get oak though. Yeah, not we got like oak. nice oak. We yeah. do have oak. I don't like oak that much, though, so just personally. I mean, it's
0: like not 1978, so of course yeah. you don't like oak. And, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, That's well, a so, point we'd did... have to differ on.
2: <laughs> I'm a huge fan of oak, but... Yeah.
1: Really?
0: Oh, yeah. I love uh, white we oak. We should do yeah. some
1: trades. I don't know economically <laughs> if that will make any sense, but we should do some trades.
0: Yeah, I know what it costs to ship a cutting board. I promise you, shipping oak is probably not a very good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're at, about, we're at about 33 minutes, so let's take a quick break. We'll uh, talk to, well, not talk to, let this, well, I'll talk to you in another voice from another time about our <laughs> fabulous sponsor, and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little more to Chris, we'll be right back. I had a fun sponsor break. <laughs> I love doing the sponsor break. <laughs> See Smart what, dip. I feel like if we, if we actually did get around to doing a Patreon, we would just keep the conversation over the sponsor break, like where we, so for those of you that don't know how we do this show... We do, you know, our usual 30 to 40 minutes, and then we pause for a second, take a little breather, and then we come back. I edit it out so it sounds like the sponsor break has just dropped into the middle, but we have three or four minutes where we're just talking. I think those conversations would be really funny to some people if they ever heard them. (laughs) Well, it's
1: kind of like, you know, if you do the pregame, postgame. But we should do a middle of the
0: game. A midgame, right? It'd be our unique selling point. That's our selling point. See, this is why we're good at this, right? (laughs) We are professionals. You guys do your your postgame and your pregame shows. And congratulations to all of you for doing that. We're different. We do the halftime show.
1: And, and you know what? We're going to bring Chris in for the three minute, three or four minutes every week.
0: We'll bring every Chris week, in yeah. We will just that. <laughs> Chris. So we need you. We need to talk to you like around quarter to nine on a Monday every week. I just need you to jump on cast, and we can have a conversation.
2: That's perfect. I'll I'll have plenty of the uh, brown liquid all in my body,
1: so it'll be, uh, it'll be enjoyable. Mason jars, yeah.
0: So yeah. what was and we'll start with? We'll start with our good friend Mr. Carter here. What were you uh, working on in the shop this week, Bud? Uh yeah, all right. Let's let me think about that actually. Um no, I have got, you know,
1: I've got a lot of things. So, I got back from vacation um and I had a bunch of uh not a bunch. That sounds like way more than it was, but I had some, you know, orders or things that I promised people, uh mostly exacto knives. Um I had the catch all for uh the prize that I did for the winner of uh when I did the YouTube video. So, I had a bunch of those things I had to c- kind of crank out. So, I did that and then this weekend, um, I started. Well, actually, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you because it might be a video, uh, YouTube video. Hopefully, I'm maybe by maybe by Friday. But it's a leather working, uh, another leather working project. It would be a short one, which is why I'm kind of, eh. Should I do a YouTube video? But um, but that's what I did this weekend, among other things. So I also did uh, the keychains, which I just uh, uh, just dropped earlier tonight. Um, which was a super quick project. Those are uh, cool as hell, man. Yeah, you know, again, it was like, they're not perfect. Uh, you know me. I, I, My favorite kind of project is just kind of winging it and designing as I go. And, yeah, I was happy with how they came out. Um, so, yeah, so that was fun. And then uh, I actually had uh, my good buddy, um, uh, hesitant handyman, uh, Andrew. Andrew. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he reached out. I hope he uh, doesn't mind me saying this, but uh, he reached out and... Asked he saw something on Amazon um like a like a leather dice tray and basically it's like Ooh. the catch all that I did but bigger and it's you know collapsible but you can also you snap up the sides and you can roll a dice whether it's I don't know if he's gambling in the you know, back alley or, or playing with his kids. But, um, but he asked if I could make one. And so I made one of those and it was a super fun, quick project this weekend too. So that will come out at some point this week. So it's a lot of those little things. And then I've got some bigger projects that I need to start. And, uh, hopefully, you know, now I'm kind of back in it. And, uh, so I can actually start some bigger projects that I'm really excited about. Ethan, did you send him that dice tray yet? Uh, I did. I, I I put it in the mail today.
2: You missed out on a just the most amazing opportunity to engrave it or do something where it says Andrew Dice train.
1: Oh, no. You, oh, you know what? You, you, uh, and now I have to get this out before this episode's out because, Chris, I'm sending you a picture. I'm going to send you guys both a picture right now. Um, so this is live. Um, give oh, me one no. second. But you guys talk, but I'll send it okay. to you because, uh, yes, that's absolutely. I was like, when my friend Andrew. Asked me to commission a dice tray. Oh no. I had no option other than to make an Andrew dice tray. Oh,
0: no, you oh, guys yeah. are
1: you guys are way on the same wavelength. Yep, yep, all right. <laughs> um, so you guys talk, and uh, cool. you'll, you'll get a picture in a second.
0: Well, I'm just going to say this real quick before I... And I'm, by the way, to those listening, I'm not being rude. There's a reason Chris is going last. Okay, um, Ash and Val, I know you're listening to this because you listen to every episode, and thank you for listening to every episode like a good listener would. Um, you may want to check out Ethan's Instagram after this goes live because... Ash and Val are both into um, D&D and Tabletop, so if you're making dice trays, that's uh, right up their alley. So maybe they'll uh, get you to custom commission one and uh, support the show in an indirect way by supporting one of the creators on it. Okay. Alright, I just sent it over if you guys... uh... Cool. Um, What did I work on this week? I worked on something morbid but awesome. So I found out, I found out last um, Friday that my company is basically going to shut down at some point in the next, well, I mean, for all intents and purposes, some people are still going to be working, but for the most part, because of this fun funk that everyone's dealing with, uh, my company's basically shutting down for about a month. So I, you know, Friday I spent the day really bummed out and I was like, oh man, What am I going to do? And I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to turn this into productive energy. And I just ripped my shop apart. And I mean in a profound way, I ripped my shop apart. I, every single thing got cleaned, organized, sorted, everything. It was just ripped from one end to the other. I made a new piece of shop furniture to hold my photo box. I put a wire rack in. To hold my Glowforge materials. I put another wire rack in to hold my scrap wood and I rearranged everything. I, I made space where there was no space. I brought out like four or five bags of garbage. The shop has never looked this good. And then this morning I put together, I, I bought, and this is going to blow people's minds. In November of 2018 okay, I bought a Rockler rolling clamp storage thingy. I finally put it together this morning. <laughs> it was <laughs> been sitting in the box. For, I know. I, I feel like you've told me about it a couple. Of times. I've had it yeah. forever. Yeah. I've had the damn thing forever. <laughs> I just never got around to actually doing anything with it. So today, finally, my my shop has clamp proper clamp storage. So that's what I. That's what I pretty much worked on. Most of the week was spent, you know, just doing design stuff and planning stuff and. Thinking that everything was just going to be okay, fine, whatever. And then Friday, I find out in the morning that, yeah, everything in New York is going on lockdown starting on Sunday. And then I find out from my company that it's going to be at some point this week, I'm going to basically be on my own as far as a job. So, That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, boy, that handmade by Vincent Ferrari had better start making money real <laughs> soon. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. You know, guys, seriously, if you're uh, considering it, if, you, if you've if you considered buying something from me, I'm going to shamelessly whore myself right now. Yeah. If you've ever considered buying something from me or you want to buy something from me, now's the time. <laughs> well, now- I, think I, and,
1: and I think that's an important message for everyone, and, and yeah. you've seen it a lot, but this is the time to support more than ever small businesses local businesses because it's the time when everyone needs it the most so
0: which is really which uh, and this is the this is the great conundrum of it because it's also the time where it's the hardest to ask people to dig into their pockets right. when you know everything is so uncertain and, and you don't know what's going to happen right you you don't you don't have that stability to say yeah if i throw 150 bucks at a cutting board right now it'll be fine well, if you throw 150 bucks at a cutting board, that's like two rolls of toilet paper you're not going to have in like a month. It's going to be ridiculous. You're going to be screwed. So, uh, yeah, it's, a crazy, it's crazy. But that's what I was working on. So I've, I've turned my messy, unorganized, cluttered, crowded little shop, and it's actually not that little, but it was a disaster. Even at it its cleanest, it was a disaster. But I got rid of everything. Everything. And I think it's probably gone by now. But maybe I should do like a, a like a proper YouTube shop tour like some of the big creators do and start doing YouTube videos hmm. <laughs> Well, I actually enjoyed seeing you did the stories yesterday and I yeah that. yeah I like I like doing those because I actually I don't know what it is and you know Chris, you could chime in at any time here but I do you like shop tour video like there's something about shop tour videos that people just love. And it's so weird to me. (laughs) I don't know what it is, to be honest, because, I
2: mean, as somebody who consumes content from a A woodworking perspective, like, I don't, I'm not excited by it whatsoever. But, I mean, to, this is actually a very interesting sort of discussion. So, um, Blake Weber uh, from Weber Woodshop, his shop tour video crushed. And he like sort of harkens out to like one of the biggest like, growth factors of his channel was the fact that his and he's got that sort of tiny shop thing, too. I think that actually helps bring in folks, too. If you emphasize the fact that you're working out of an extremely small space, you know, that sort of draws in the views. And I guess the uh, maybe it's a little clickbaity. I don't know. But um, <laughs> one of the uh, one of the bigger YouTube accounts that sort of popped up out of nowhere recently. I've been following this guy for a long time, actually, on Instagram, uh, William Douglas Co., I don't know if any of you guys um follow him new at all on, new one on me yeah so he um is a phenomenal woodworker he's based out of arizona and he's got an awesome awesome truck too you got to check that out but in any event he launched a youtube video uh, sorry a youtube channel i want to say about three months ago And I remember kind of telling him because, you know, we chat a little bit and I was just saying like, yeah, man, it's a grind. Like, you know, you're going to be kind of clipping through, picking up. Couple subs here, a couple subs there. <laughs> and literally, this guy opens with a shop tour video. And I think he sort of operates out of a similarly Blake sized shop, except the way that he operates, it's kind of he pulls everything out of the shop. So he's got a lot of open space. I mean, it's Arizona, it's pretty dry, you can work outside a lot. So they take a lot of this heavy machinery and they just sort of wheel it out on this big deck. Um, but he does that shop tour video. And it slayed, like absolutely crushed. And I want to say he's up over ten thousand subs already. I mean, it's really? yeah, he, it's
0: he's, that it, he's so he has a uh, his most recent image is from inst, it's an Instagram TV vid, uh, video, and it says twenty thousand subs. Oh my gosh! Yeah,
2: Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely insane. and I remember even telling him and I feel like kind of a jerk about it too is you know, when, I was, <laughs> when I was watching his uh, shop tour video, I was like, oh man, like this is getting kind of slow in some spots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm sitting over here. I think at the time I had like 400 subs or something. I was like, yeah, you know, like this, is, this could use some work. And then the next thing you know, like that thing is, I forget how many views that thing is at now, but That's I mean, amazing. there's just something about those. I can't see myself personally doing one, but I mean, maybe, I mean, depending on how long the quarantine lasts, we'll see. But,
0: uh... Society starts of re- to break down, we get a lot of yeah. shop tours. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, man. But yeah, so I, I don't know. For me, those shop tour videos don't really do anything. But I guess I, for, you know, the there's general very public, few that do it for me either.
0: I agree. But it, it and so I don't really have a, I don't really have a YouTube channel, but I do post a lot on Instagram. And whenever I do anything with my shop, and I show people the shop, the reactions start flooding in. I'm like, wow okay guys this is clearly the kind of content you want maybe i should just every week just rearrange my shop and do another shop (laughs) tour it's like i'll grow by doing shop tours you know i think though vincent
1: also is i i I do think people love seeing a window into your making space Mm. if that makes sense like so it's not just the shop tour it's like here's where i'm making here's what you know here's a window into my world
0: I think that yeah, I think that's part of it. I, I know I know that like so when I posted a picture of the ta- of the area where I do all my jewelry work, uh, people looked at the bin system that I have here and they're like, "Wow, is that organized?" Right. Right. And then somebody else said, "I'm just going to steal that idea and I'm going to start doing it exactly the same way." That's genius. And I'm like, "Oh, I didn't even like that." You didn't wasn't... Even think any, about it. Right. Yeah, I didn't think about it. That right. was just like, "Oh, this is my uh, this is how I'm going to have to do this based on the space I'm in." and people are like wow i'm so glad you shared that because now i have an idea of how i can organize my space and i'm like oh all right cool well i think that's the same with a lot
1: of things that we do is we we take everything for granted like we don't think any we talk totally about do. it uh, but a lot of us do a lot of things that are kind of creative and but they're just part of our day to day and so it's you know it adds value to people so
0: we don't we don't that is I got to say, that's one of the most prescient observations that you've ever made, <laughs> that we we take all the little things that we've learned and honed and that have become our way of doing things, and we've kind of forgotten that that isn't the way we always knew either. Like, it's just, we know it is the way we do it now, but wow, right. if we had, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. This weekend, one of the things that I made was, um, I have a photo box that I shoot my jewelry photos in, and one of the things I did was I made a table for it so I could leave it permanently set up instead of having to shuffle it around and move it around and all that. And I I was making it, and I just kind of just made it. And I looked at it, and I was like, damn, I wish I knew everything. Because I looked at the two carts I made before I started chemo a couple of years ago, and I was like, damn, I really, really wish I had known all I knew. Because that table went together so fast. And it's like, wow, you know, I wonder how many other people... Can't, don't know how to make these simple tables easily. Right. like That it's a struggle for them. I didn't even have to think about how the, the, this one went together, but it took me three different carts. Well, the other ones are on casters. That's the only difference. This one's not on casters. But it's like, wow, you know, you're right. You're 100% right. We don't really think about all these little things that we've picked up along mm-hmm. the way that have become time savers, sanity savers, you know, stuff like that. Um, okay, So, I have to go... Now, we have to go to Chris, and we have to see... What he's been working on. Chris, what did you work on this week, Chris?
2: (laughs) 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 Well... I mean, not (laughs) obviously hedging here because I know where this is going, but I've actually been working on about three different things this week. So I'm going to start from the back and work my way front because I know where this is going. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the things that I've actually just started working on, and it's probably the thing that I'm the most excited about right now, is a Indian Rosewood spear gun. So, yeah, yeah so actually we were just talking about pj and Mm -hmm. that video that i did with him where i was documenting him uh slabbing some lumber for me that rosewood slab that we got some dimensional lumber out of is actually becoming a spear gun and that's a fishing spear gun uh, that i'm doing a collab with with uh ryan saul from caught not bought um he's completely out of our space so
1: yeah so
2: he does a he's, he's primarily a hunting and fishing channel and his whole thing is you know he's not a grocery store guy really so everything <laughs> he eats is stuff that and he's out of tampa so he's semi-local um he's about five hours four and a half hours or so north of me but um so he's i mean he's stone crabbing he's hunting hogs i mean he's going deer hunting he's actually i think this morning he went turkey hunting uh that guy is he's an animal i feel so. like him and
1: mark would hang out <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah you're probably right actually yeah. they they would make uh, mark from a uh, gunflint design yeah. oh yeah some quail poppers
2: <laughs> yeah this guy i mean the stuff that he'd like I, and I'm al- I'm a big foodie, so I'm always, like, geeking out when I see this kind of stuff because to me, I'm like, oh, yes, like, food directly from the source. Like, how much more – it's this difference between eating a tomato out of your backyard and eating a tomato from the grocery store, right? Like, just right. – it's that much better. So I, I lose my mind. But anyway, long story short, I'm making him the spear gun, and then the That's idea so cool. is that he's going to go – he actually has a YouTube channel as well, but uh, he's going to go take the spear gun, get some footage – you know, blasting a fish in the face, and, uh, <laughs> and then I'm gonna incorporate that into my video. He'll have some of my build clips in his video, that sort of thing. And uh,
1: what's his? Uh, did you say his channel already? Give him a shout out. It's uh, Caught Not Bought. Oh, so, Caught Not um, Bought. Okay, yeah. yeah. Did. All
2: right. I think his YouTube channel's the same name, I wanna say. I'm not entirely positive, but yeah. Um, so that's what I've been working on. And the Indian Rosewood's really interesting. And this is actually, I, I was very fortunate enough to have uh moss epoxies sponsor the build so um as far as the finishing materials so um these spear guns are obviously in and out of the salt water all the time they take a incredible beating so um i'm going to be using penetrating epoxy and two to one as well as i believe it's called their bristol finish to you know fully seal this thing out to make sure that it's going to last but the Indian rosewood is very similar to teak in the sense that it's incredibly oily. So in order to make sure that your laminations stay together, one of the things you have to do is just soak this thing down and wipe it up in denatured alcohol. So that is literally all I've been doing for about 24 to 36 hours (laughs) is just wiping down strips of rosewood in denatured alcohol. And it got so... It got so boring that I was like, you know what, I have to do something else. So I turned a bowl like between like last.
1: night you oh, saying, so you okay. came on the podcast, and I was like,
0: oh. <laughs> I, when I'm bored, that's what I do. I podcast. That's so. That's what that bowl was. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so I was the bowl on your Instagram stories.
2: I was just incredibly bored, and uh, PJ had uh, dropped off. This is quite a while ago now. I'm uh, probably I want to say before WorkbenchCon, so probably sometime in January. He gave me a big old chunk of Java plum, which is some tree that I've never heard of and some species I've never worked with. And he said it might be good for turning. And truth be told, it's not that good for turning. So <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> you, you talk about wood species like like Star Wars characters. Like I have no idea what that what that wood is that you just said. Java Java uh, Java, Java plum. plum. plum? Yeah. I'll
2: tell you what, if you want a guy that's gonna make you feel real weird about trees, you should definitely have PJ on the podcast sometime <laughs> because <laughs> when he talks about trees, he will not only say the English name of the tree, he will also give you the scientific name. You name know, it'll yeah. be like Verticalius <laughs> spinicalius or something, and you're like, dude, you're just making up words now. Like what are we doing?
1: Yeah. It was fun it was fun, though. I met him this year at WorkbenchCon and I talked to, I only talked to him a little bit, but yeah, he's he's a he knows his stuff yeah he's an interesting guy
2: he's a very very interesting guy i It's very hard for me to tell when he's actually looked this stuff up or if he's just making it up, (laughs) but (laughs) at this point, yeah, like uh, I'm just like, you know what, dude, give me the wood. It's fine. So (laughs) that's where we're at. But, uh, yeah, so the spear gun's been something. Obviously, I was doing um, that bowl that just got cranked out. I have some bench seating that I have to do as well, which is actually related to the cafe table that I uh, finished up as well. So Wait, you made a
0: cafe table? You made a cafe table? I did. Yes. Oh, wow. So yeah, before yeah. you go into it, guys, this week's video of the week, we've never got a chance. We've never had a chance to do this. But see, uh, Chris, Chris kind of pulled a fast one on us. See, we were we had agreed to have well, we discussed having Chris on, you know, a couple of days ago. And then he goes and drops a video on the day he's going to be on the podcast, and Ethan and I both absolutely love it. So the video of the week this week is actually Chris's video of his cafe table because we both just freaking yeah, love it. It was so a great video. It really is. It really is a fantastic well, video. It, it's a it's fantastic, fantastic project and a fantastic video. And the and result, it, the end yeah. result, is just yeah. it's stunning. It is absolutely stunning. So. One, one we would decide we would rearrange the show a little bit so Chris could actually talk about the th- the video of the week in person
1: and oh, yeah, so there's and, that, and make it awkward for Chris because yeah, yeah totally.
0: <laughs> I mean, now if he's got to get accolades in person instead of just getting them in my Instagram story. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was saying earlier too. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, what inside baseball talk for everybody, but I mean, it's a good thing that uh, this podcast is done purely in audio because otherwise, you guys would just see me beat red right over here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, yes, I released the cafe uh, table video probably. I mean, I want to say three hours ago, something about around that. there. Yes, yeah, yeah. I,
1: I was watching it maybe, you know, 20 minutes before we got on. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I was watching it as we ate dinner. <laughs> there you go. The
2: cool thing yep. about this video, for me at least, is the fact that it's the first video that I've done with the new camera. So I picked up a, and since there's some camera geeks that listen, they'll probably appreciate this very heavily. Definitely. Um, I picked up a Sony A6500 mirrorless. And Ooh. yeah, that has been and well also let me couple this too with uh workbench con. So when I went to workbench con one of the things that I did was I sat in on Will uh, Will Walker's session with Rick from Woodwork Life and yep. they had the whole kind of like photo film and I mean really I don't want to oversimplify it but it's like exposure triangle, lighting, you know that was kind of the way that sort of
1: went. And that was a session that I I'm super bummed I didn't go to. Oh,
2: and yeah. it was it was really really good. And I think what I've noticed is that especially at WorkbenchCon, where I get the most benefit from is the Q and A and sort of mm-hmm. turning it into my own personal lesson. <laughs>
1: right. So, hundred percent, no, hundred percent, yeah.
2: And especially for that session too. One of the funny things about Workbench Con this year, especially, is that there were a number of sessions that were done in the same like open air. I guess. Uh, what would you call that? Like the, the general the, meeting
1: area? or Yeah, I mean, w- yeah. which is basically they, there's no walls. There's just these like satin curtains that uh, did not keep sound out or anything else out. Yeah. yeah.
2: So uh, Hui from Alabama Woodworker is doing the hand tool session literally right <laughs> next to their session. And all I'm hearing during the actual general session is just we like banging on chisels and doing all sorts of like shenanigans over there. It's so loud that I could barely even hear them during the actual session. So really I didn't get much from the actual session itself. It was from standing up there and talking to them and really getting to use stuff practically. So uh, Chris from with Chris was there, and I was actually taking a light and, like, shining it on his face in, like, different angles and seeing how the shadows cast off of him and that hmm. whole sort of thing. So I really got geeked out on lighting on top of the, um, I guess, the actual, like, filmmaking aspect of it. And so when I got back, one of the things that I was resolving to do was, incre- um, I guess... I don't know how to put it necessarily. Just improve my lighting, you know. Yeah, like,
1: incorporate create, incorporate that as part of your filming.
2: Yeah, create some yeah. sort of theme. Mm-hmm. Create something that's going to make right. you know make my content stand out, and mm-hmm. um, it worked pretty much instantly. So I, yeah. you know, once I got the camera, I posted just a quick clip, and I kind of knew that like something felt good, you know, as far as right. when I released the clip on Instagram, I was like, oh, like this is this feels good, and everybody was like, oh my god, it's so cool. And it's funny to me because the biggest key to my content so far, as far as like pushing it and getting people like to really, I guess I grab it is turning all the lights off in my shop and (laughs) just using, you know, a fill light and a rim light, I mean, or sorry, a key light and a rim light, you know, in the back. I mean... It's well, it so makes weird. it so much more
1: dramatic and yeah. And well, and to your point, it's eye catching. It 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 stops you when you're scrolling through. I think that's a big thing too with Instagram too. Is as you're scrolling, it, it, there's something about it that makes you stop. Does that make sense? Like oh yeah, yeah. It's it, sure. it's something different that you're not seeing from everyone else's. I don't know. And it's no, funny. The,
3: the, that's oh, a
0: big part of Instagram because in, right now Instagram is. I mean, it's busy, there's a lot of noise, of it's course. it's still one of the better, as far as I'm concerned, <clears throat> content to noise ratio is very high on Instagram, but it's, it's you know, you, you scroll, I mean, most of the time if you're scrolling through your feed, you're not really scrolling with purpose, you're scrolling just, you know, your, your thumb is just kind of moving, but you're not really doing a whole lot, and then, oh, what? What's that? You know, and that—that's what matters. Well, and I think real quick. I mean, I think part we talked about a little bit last
1: week, the the bead making video or post that I did, Vincent. Mm -hmm. It had no nothing about that had anything about Ethan at all. And I think you know. So I think it. it, I don't know. Maybe I'm being you know high myself but th- there's nothing that grabbed it as an ethan post right i didn't even know it was yours and exactly. i liked it but, but yeah but like <laughs> but that's what i mean i think there's there's something to be said for um branding and and eye catching and yeah and but yeah. but chris i mean I'm, I'm saying that because the first time you did that post one of those posts with a kind of that lighting it definitely and i i look at all of your posts but that post definitely grabbed me and I was like, oh my God, there's there's something different here. And I went back to it, so.
2: Yeah, and it's funny to me because it's not that different from what Will Walker's been really doing for years. Because like, when you look at him or even Rick from Woodwork Life, I mean, those guys really emphasize that dramatic lighting. But I think, who knows, maybe it's that I'm taking, I guess, my pace and sort of, I, I feel like my videos have been generally more upbeat technically so they are you know faster they're quicker they tend to move a little drivier so maybe Mm -hmm. that has some sort of influence to it too i don't know i mean i'm not really reinventing the wheel here i mean i'm doing stuff that guys have been doing for a while but it's actually funny because i feel like this is tying into something i talked about with vincent before Mm -hmm. as far as you know i listen to you You know i listen to all you guys' episodes i mean that's kind of been my new right thing since, show. uh, yeah, exactly. You know, I'm always chiming in here and there, <laughs> but, um, you know, when I listened to your episode from last week about competition, right. And mm-hmm. this idea of competition and, you know, like I got what you were getting at Ethan, as far as, I mean, nobody's out there really trying to cut the legs out from anybody else. But right. what I feel is that when I see everybody, I want to do Something better than whatever that yeah. person is. So sometimes hey, I'll see, ooh. you know, somebody doing some cool dovetails or whatever, and I'm like, you know what? Like, that's what got me into dovetails. To be quite honest, right. like, I saw somebody doing it. And I was like, I could do that. And you know, maybe that's a completely unrealistic self belief,
1: but I mean, it worked. <laughs> and so <Yeah>. no. <laughs> well, you know what? I think. But that, I, I, mean, not to go on another whole topic, but that, to me, that's not competition. That's that's like inspiration. That's like I want to do something. I I'm, I see that. And I want to do it better. That's not competition. Competition to me is like I want to do better to because I want to put that person down or something. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But, but co- like what you're saying is like oh, like I want to do that. I can do that so good, right? I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's, it's weird because like, I don't know, like if you look at it, say from a professional sports aspect, right? Like say mm-hmm. basketball, you know, mm-hmm. like the guys that are playing in the NBA finals, I mean, maybe some of them are trying to put each other down, but they're not really. I mean, when it comes to No, they just to want it, to be better. They just want to be better. So right. for me, that's kind of the same drive that I get when yes. I see other people woodworking. And that drives me to, you know, and as soon as that stops, like that may be when I lose my love for woodworking. I right. don't know. I mean, I don't, that hasn't happened yet, but I mean, for me, like that's one of my biggest motivations is like, I see somebody doing something cool and I'm like, Hey, I know this is an original, but I think I can do that and I can put some sort of cool spin on it and I'm going to make it my own.
0: And, yeah, no, I love know.
1: that. I think that's amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, so the, your table, so you did a couple of things in that video. I pretty much have never seen done before. Um, one of the things, one of the things that I just, I can't get over how brilliant it was. So he made, for those of you that haven't seen the video yet, he took the tabletop and he cut it out with a router circle jig. And he took the cutoffs and, of the circle and turned those into the supports for the table. Mm-hmm. I I can't get over, I, I sat there just dumbfounded, like... Did you think of that on the fly or was that the plan going? And I just have to know because it was such a good idea that it was almost impossible to believe that you just went, oh, I'm going to do this with it. No, that was totally, uh,
2: you know, totally created on the fly. And the way the way it happened, it's funny because if you really watch the video carefully, I I don't think I edited it out. But essentially when I'm moving the off cuts, like there's that scene kind of where I'm. pulling the off cuts off of the actual circle and i'm sort of stacking them on the side the mm. reason i'm stacking them on the side is because as soon as i pulled them off i was like i'm gonna use those
0: that's what i'm doing huh. with those and so smart and and ashes i don't know how expensive ashes i'm assuming since it's a hardwood it's relatively expensive so that's a way to get a lot of use out of a small right. amount of material it's absolutely fantastic
2: yeah ash is actually Pretty cheap. I mean, as far as the spectrum of hardwoods, it's mm-hmm. one of the cheaper ones. It's sort of an evil cousin of oak. If you want to, you know, kind of get so into that. So is it super
1: hard? Like, I for some reason I always felt like ash was oh. a little softer, but it's
2: pretty hard. Well, actually, so this is a fun fact. They
1: use it for baseball bats. Yeah, I was going to say okay. that's that's so the I'm only completely... thing I know about ash okay. is, <laughs> is that it's in baseball bats. That's yeah, all see, I knew about this ash. This is why I do more leather work than. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. So it, it's pretty hard. It's not the. Easiest to work with sometimes. It depends on how it's sawn. So if you see a guy, um, Mike Tolchinsky is a really great example. I don't know if you guys follow Mike on Instagram, but Mike is another hand tool guy, also another attorney. But Mike does a ton of stuff with ash, but he resaws down his ash a lot to make sure that he's working with the straightest possible grain possible. So that way, when he's planing, everything is. He's, he's minimizing his risk of tear-out. He's minimizing his risk of error. When you work with Ash in the way that I did in that video, there's a lot of what they call cathedral grain. So you see those big sort of peaks and curves and swirls and even a little bit of curl here and there. That stuff is a nightmare to hand plane. So you deal with a bunch of tear-out. And I did, you know, I'm not <laughs> not saying I didn't, but I mean, you have to manage that as best as you can. And so, Ash can be a little bit tricky to work with, but um, with that being said, yes, like so. As far as those offcuts, one of the things when, and I don't know how much you know, you guys know as far as my creative process, but I don't really work off of plans all that often. I'm really doing a lot of stuff on the fly. And when uh, clients are asking me for sketches, I sort of look at them and like they have twelve heads. Um, <laughs> i hear like, you. let me, let me do my thing, you know, whatever.
1: I'm You're hiring probably, you I make for the a plans reason. after the fact. Like, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So one of the things I conceived when I was doing this table was that I wanted some kind of curvature in it. And that's why as soon as I saw that curve and yeah. I saw how just the curve worked and I didn't mess it up to be quite honest really so when i had cut it and they came off just perfectly like i don't know what i would have done had it not come off as perfectly or had some different chunks sort of floating around wherever but they just as soon as i pulled it off that's what i saw was hey i need to incorporate this in the build somehow initially the first idea i had was to use it for the um, actual base of the pedestal but then as i was kind of conceiving i was like you know what it might be better for me to use it for the supports and then do a glue up for the actual base
0: so, yeah it's it so it big. is just the, the overall geometry of this table it's yeah. such a it's 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 such a small piece it's not a huge piece but there's so much going on in this one little piece it's it is a perfect piece of furniture it's well, a perfect piece of furniture
1: what i like about it too is it's 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 not crazy out there. It's very it like it's subtle details and mm-hmm. but the details are there.
0: the the angled the angled um end of the support where it go where it attaches to the center. Mm-hmm. the way you the way you carved out and shaped the feet, the roundover that you you know, and every time you did something like that, you would say you were doing it to to lighten it up a little bit. And every it, that's the other thing because this is just really just big slabs of ash. But it doesn't look like a chunky, heavy table. It's just, it's really, I've got to tell you, Chris, I'm I'm really freaking impressed by this video, man. Hey, hey Chris,
1: how uncomfortable are you that when we are gushing over your (laughs) table... Honestly, like the more glasses of bourbon I'm taking down in the like, past
2: five minutes, like it, it gets, gets a little easier.
0: easier is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, You
2: know, you guys can sing me no. this as a bedtime lullaby if you'd like. Well,
1: I mean, well, Vincent, one of the first conversations that me and Chris ever had were about chamfers and like what that, like, team chamfer, because mm-hmm. what that can add to a piece, and you know, it's it's those subtle things, and I think that's what you understand, Chris, is that they're subtle. Things like a chamfer or a round- roundover, used the right way, that completely can change a piece.
0: Yeah, and it it works. It works here. I mean, I'm looking at it now. Like I'm looking at I'm looking at the picture that you posted a couple hours ago. Um, and I all my eye just keeps going to the same spot. It's right at the point where the supports join the center of the table, and I'm just thinking like this would have been such a different look if you hadn't. Like, if you had rounded those, they, it wouldn't have looked right. If you yeah. had kept the curve going and just blended it, it wouldn't have looked right. But the, it's, there's clearly, a, like, a vision that brought this table together. And it just it makes sense. It well, just makes so much sense. And again, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but
1: it, it, that, it's kind of just what, what you thought looked right, right? It wasn't very planned
2: yeah like that's exactly what it is i mean that's a 30 degree cut that Mm -hmm. i did that's like right right there at the end and i came up with that probably so i mean in the video you can see where i'm cutting out these supports to sort of shape them correctly Mm -hmm. and it's right in the middle of that where i'm like you know what 30 degrees that's probably what i want to do right Yeah. yeah
0: Yeah. what i love what i love about it is it like you could see this is this is the kind of thing that you know we talk about this is the thing that always comes with experience in a certain thing where as you're going you just saw that that was going to be the right thing and it just you did it and then look at what it it came out where it's like wow if you hadn't done that like if you'd left it squared or like i said if you'd blended it in it it just wouldn't look the same like the way this comes together it kind of looks like that the supports are part of the top and they're kind of just slid over the I you got to I I know I'm just gushing over this table because I couldn't believe that something this I don't want to say simple I don't mean it in an insulting way but it is a simple thing but there's so much going on there's so many amazing little details in this one simple little table and well
1: it, it was... it's it's one of those thing pieces that it's it's simple it looks simple because of all the details yeah
2: If you guys want to geek out on, like, a really ridiculous idea that I had while I was conceiving this table, actually. So the uh, roundover that I do on the underside of the tabletop Mm -hmm. initially was not going to be a roundover. So my initial idea, and Ethan's probably seen me do this on some other things, you know, just floating around on my Instagram. I don't think I've done it on anything on YouTube, is um, the big tall bevels. Like, I'm a big fan of these just monster bevels and the idea was is that i was going to build some sort of jig to be able to take the actual round tabletop onto the table saw and then essentially like a circle jig for the table saw that is done flat but mm-hmm. to have it done vertically to be able to produce that round
0: that uh, huge bevel on the All entire right, underside. Easy swan now Yeah, really (laughs) that seems like a I don't want to I don't want to be like mr. Old fogey here But that sounds like a really bad idea
2: (laughs) Well, and that's kind of that's sort of where I ended up and the only reason I ended up there was because I couldn't figure out a way To do it without having to drill into the tabletop like the actual top Mm. surface. Oh, yeah like, I could have done it if I had, you know, fired a screw or some sort of pivot point through the actual table surface, Yeah. but I couldn't have done it from the bottom because if I was to then, I, I mean, there's not really another way to do it. I, I just couldn't, at least yet, have not conceived of a way to make that happen. So, um, you know, stay Mind tuned. Mind you, everyone that, yeah, listen.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, everyone listening to this, just yeah. watch his Instagram channel for about six months. <laughs> <laughs> One day, he's gonna do another, uh, the same table, and it's gonna he's gonna figure it out. We're gonna I, talk about it at our
1: halftime show. Well, what I could probably
2: do is I could do it on a square table. I just probably couldn't do it on a oh, square. Oh totally. Table. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know. yeah, you yeah.
0: could definitely do it on a square table, but that's almost cheating. I mean now that's not, <laughs> yeah. That's like yeah, that's like come on man, that's like I gotta like redo my dining
2: table eventually, so you know that might be on the list.
0: And by redo you mean just take the top off and hack it up and put it back on, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that's really freaking cool. We really did love that video yeah, and we'll have awesome. obviously we're gonna have the link. Thanks to it in the um, in the show notes. We did get a piece of feedback. Yeah. From longtime listener Jeff um, at a weird guy on... That's his Instagram handle, right? Yep. Okay. He said, Hey, thanks for the permission to just make for fun on the last podcast. It was good to hear since so many online makers are you can make videos too or making for profit. I get a little FOMO when I don't really want either of those. I just want to make stuff I need and enjoy shop time. I know I don't need to sell products... Or myself, but it was reassuring to hear that making for fun is still worth doing. Keep being awesome. Well, thanks, Jeff. And yeah, it you know, there's nothing wrong with pursuing a passion project, they're really passion projects are highly underrated, you know. And right now, everyone's trying to find something to occupy their minds. Well, guess what? The people with passion projects are not having right. that problem, mm-hmm. they're like they're excited right <clears throat> now because, like, I am on lockdown, I've I got have more all time. The, Yeah, I have all the jigsaw puzzles, I know what to do with. I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So yeah, no, totally. I I absolutely feel that. And one of the one of my blog posts, one of the first blog posts I did when I actually started writing my blog again was, you know, what if the side hustle is just not what if you just want it to be a you know a thing, a passion project. It doesn't have to be oh, if I'm doing this, I have to start making money doing it or it has no meaning. No, it's just not the way the world works. It's not the way human beings work. We don't, we're not in it to sell everything. You know, sometimes you just do stuff because you like doing it. And yeah, I'm totally down with that. What I think, I think part of it too, is that podcasts
1: and YouTube videos and all these things, I mean, they are not necessarily ours, but a lot of them are designed to be promoting a, a path, right, or a, a business model, or mm-hmm. all those things, and so it gears itself to, towards that. And I, so again, as we said last week, sometimes it's it's just as important to just appreciate the fact that why we got into this to begin with is just because we all love making, and there's no we have these podcasts because a lot of people want to know, you know, business tips or whatever. But that's not necessarily what's for everyone, and there's nothing wrong with with just totally. doing it. Actually there's not, It's not that there's nothing wrong with it. It's actually admirable to do it for the passion of doing it.
0: So many people do this, and, and this is we have talked about this so many times, but we've talked about the you know, especially in, in the content creation space where people are just burnt out and they don't realize how much it shows that they're burnt out. Mm-hmm. But it shows through in their content. It shows through in the effort they put in. It shows through in how they talk about it. It shows through in how they interact with other people in the community. And they don't know that they're burnt out, and it's not their fault. But they—it's those are the people that have lost that passion. If right. you don't have that passion, look, I, I tend to, and I'm, I'm going to just throw myself under the bus a little bit here. I do tend to come at things from a perspective of someone who's doing this as a business. Um, Ethan is more... And I think you'll agree with me on this, Ethan. You're Mm -hmm. more of a passion project person. I'm more of a business person when it comes to this stuff. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And I tend to look at it from a business point of view. But it's not me trying to make a business. It's me trying to make a business doing something I love doing. Mm -hmm. If I didn't love doing woodwork and jewelry... I wouldn't try to make a business out of it just because it would make me money. I just, I'd be dead inside. And I think the, a lot of people who tell you that everything that you're interested in has to be turned into a side hustle that makes you money, I think you're just looking at it the wrong way. I think it's a bad way to look at it. What, what do you think, Chris? I mean, do you have any thoughts or? I'll tell you
2: what. That's one of the reasons why I got a lathe is because I wanted to try something completely different and to try something that I didn't think that I was really going to make any money out of. And it's kind of funny because my girlfriend, um, this is actually a great, great anecdote. So yesterday she comes home and she's a nurse, so she gets home super late, comes in, and she sees me with full face mask on, I mean, <laughs> in apron and standing in about knee-high worth of like shavings and she's like what in the world are you doing and I point over at the lathe and there's like this sort of like half ass bowl that's like there that's just kind of looking all you know shady right now and uh, <laughs> and she's like really another bowl like why like nobody wants bowls why do you keep making bowls stop making bowls and I'm like hey like I like it like to me It's therapeutic. It feels good. I like turning. Like, I'm not particularly great at it. I literally just learned how to do it, you know, about six months ago, if that. But it's one of those things where when I need a break from something and I need that feeling, I mean, that to me is sort of therapeutic in a way. And, granted i don't know about you guys but like that's what i get from making and that's one mm-hmm. of the you know reasons i mean that's what this show's all about right is the the, mm-hmm. the why of why we make and right. you know w- we what i gain out of a lot of this is a lot of uh you know comfort and therapy and frankly like when i feel like i'm losing that that's when i think i need to really reassess and figure and, out and that's exactly, when you get
1: a lathe right i mean that's right that, that's when you pick up something else that you haven't done before because yeah. all of a sudden you realize like I'm doing it for the grind and not for the passion
0: yeah, yeah I think I think there's a I think there's a strong a, you could when you start picking up other things, when you start picking up other things, then you know that you're doing it for the right reason, because if you're if you're just doing it for the sake of doing it, you'll never pick up anything new right If you're woodworking for the sake of woodworking, you're never going to pick up leather because you don't care. You're, don't, you're not. You're dead. You're dead inside if you're just doing the same thing over and over again because it's what you've always done. When you when you want to ignite a passion, you say, Oh, well, you know, I'm I'm doing a lot of wood, but I, I want to learn a new skill. Let me go, let me uh, start working with some leather. Let me start making some jewelry. Let mm-hmm. me start 3D printing. You know, let me start learning how to use Fusion 360. Let me let me start taking better product photo. All these things are things you can do that show that oh yeah, I'm not just doing this out of like a habit. The, you know, when everything starts becoming a habit, you start losing. you will you will lose interest before you stop doing it. Yep. And that's right. that's the dangerous part because once you start doing things just because you've always done them, then nothing really has a meaning anymore. Yeah. Nothing has a meaning anymore. And that's you know, Chris is right. We do, the the reason we do this podcast is to share a passion, right? Mhm. I'm. I'm not doing this podcast to get famous. Ethan's not doing this podcast to get famous. Frankly, oh, wait, if we were what, doing what? this, no. Well, well, maybe <laughs> Ethan's doing it to get famous. That's why his um exacto knife empire is starting the way it is. <laughs> but if we were doing this podcast to get famous, <laughs> just gonna you wrong know, business. Yeah. Woof, woof, You ain't kidding. Um. <laughs> but, but no, seriously, I do. I do think that there's a lot to be. There's a lot to be said for you know. Pursuing a passion just for the sake of pursuing a passion. You don't have to turn everything into your your exit strategy or your I'm going to quit my day job and do that strategy. Hey, sometimes people have very fulfilling day jobs that they really like and still want to come home and whack on some wood and make some cool stuff in their garage, and that's perfectly fine. They're, it's okay. It's, it is literally okay. I'm really, really, really serious about that. I'm not just saying it to placate people who haven't managed to turn it into a business, because I will say, I get that a lot from um, a lot of the podcasts even that I listen to, or the YouTube videos I watch where people are like, you know, it's okay if you haven't made a success out of it yet, just keep plugging away. And, well, yeah, fine, but that's if that's your motivation. If your motivation is to turn into a business, quitting is probably not a good strategy. But if your motivation is, I want to do something I enjoy that takes me away from the crap life that I have on a day-to-day basis, it's okay to go down to your shop and just, you know, make a bowl. Right, you know. Yeah, yeah. I,
2: I would say the monetization for me is to try to be able to sustain the hobby. What? And a hundred
1: percent. Yeah, yeah.
2: Like the problem that I'm sort of running into now is the addiction is getting very expensive. So, <laughs> you know, like I, I'm at a point where I'm like, all right, like I really want this tool. So then, you know, what do I have to make in order to sell to then manufacture right. the money for this thing? And that's kind of where my sort of motivation comes from, which then obviously leads into a very interesting conversation with the girlfriend sometimes where she's like, where's all this money that you made? And I'm like, oh, it's,
0: <laughs> it's, you know, hanging to, it's I'm hanging on the really wall right really,
2: now. It's as yeah, lovely. It's, it's, yeah.
0: I have a domino and a track saw. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's let me tell you insane. what, Yeah.
2: if you want to get into a crazy black hole of money, I'm telling you, hand tools.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, I can't it's, Chisels it. and planes, man. It's all about chisels and planes. Like, I oh. see some,
2: like, Bridge City tools. I'm like, um, oh, like, <laughs> there was a Blue Spruce uh, fret saw that I was geeking out on the other day because uh, I literally just bought a brand-new fret saw from uh, New Concepts. And, and actually, Ethan was geeking out on that the other day. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. New Concepts, so cool. But initially, I was looking at one from Bruce uh, Blue Spruce, and it was three hundred and I want to say fifty dollars, and that is perhaps the most expensive fret saw that I could even conceive of. And I don't even know what makes it so expensive, other than the fact <laughs> but that I it want looks it. No. <laughs> dope. Like this thing looks dope as hell. Like <laughs> so, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, so uh, just uh, to keep everyone appraised, I actually finally got some legit uh, pricking irons. Oh wow! Guy. Actually, uh, it's your uh, buddy Brian, um, Southern boy. Um, he uh, he gave me some advice for some leatherworking perking irons, and I bought them on Saturday night. So it takes probably oh. about three weeks to get there. But
0: holy crap, yeah. Ethan! My boy yeah, is Brian growing Phillips.
2: up. Yeah, <laughs> oh, so Brian Phillips. Oh, Brian from Rowan and Witch. That's my yeah, that's yeah, my man. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah he's uh, he's been uh, he. I was going back and forth with him on what I should get and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, he well, uh, oh, we talked at WorkbenchCon too. So, yeah, he gave me some tips, and yeah, I, I took the plunge and I used those that Exacto money and uh, and bought some uh, proper leatherworking tools. So,
0: see so what you don't know is that Ethan actually strips down every night and just rolls around on his bed in Exacto dollars. As, <laughs> It's, you know, it's indecent, I tell you. Yes. (laughs) So we have, want to do some... uh, Things of the week. Things of the week. Sounds good. Why don't we let our our guests go first. Chris, why don't you uh, give us your thing of the week this week?
2: All right. So my thing of the week is Charmin. Just kidding. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, everybody knows that's mythical. So clearly that's not your thing of the week.
2: No. uh, So in all seriousness, my thing of the week is a... New YouTube channel that is done by Justin Maybe. So the um, the channel name is Call Me Maybe. Maybe is spelled M A B I E, and the specific episode, which is only I. W- it's probably not this week, but whatever, we'll get there. Anyway, um, it is <laughs> Philip Morley, and that is the first episode that he released. So Justin is a videographer and photographer. He does a lot of work with April Wilkerson, and his first episode of this new channel that is going to be primarily profiling woodworkers and makers was Philip Morley. And Philip Morley, for me at least, is a huge influence on my woodworking, on my entire approach to woodworking. So uh, go check it out. It's episode one. It's awesome. I mean, it just really puts things into perspective. And his He's using the same camera as me, so that also is kind of inspiring as well to be able to achieve, <laughs> you know, that level of, um, I guess, what is it? Cinematography is the word that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, check uh, check Justin out. It's a uh, it's a great channel.
1: Well, I'll second that just because uh, I met him at WorkbenchCon, and I, well, I did not realize that he had a YouTube channel, so I subscribed right before we got started. But uh, his work on Instagram is just phenomenal he's he's fantastic so i second that it's
0: awesome cool well i'm not gonna lie i've not heard of him so i'm now following so there you go there you go see this is see you get on because we make and everybody <laughs> starts following you that's the way it works but no it's that's really cool i i, I like it's, it's funny it seems like the idea behind um the call behind call me maybe's uh channel um it seems like it may actually be the original idea behind Because We Make. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a behind-the-music for makers. Yeah, yeah, Which is actually a really fan- I, It's a fantastic idea for video if you have the uh, ability to do it. I don't. So that's fantastic. Um, I'm reading. I'm looking at the comments, too. The people that are commenting on this are people I know. It's like, wow, I'm really out of the loop. So this is a good one. This is a good one, man. Good good recommendation, Chris. I like it. Um, Ethan, you want to give us your thing of the week yeah i can do that so my thing of the week
1: is uh taylor Forrest. and i'm gonna say this and i hate that i'm saying this but i just because i think most people will know it uh know her uh more because of this but she deserves her own recognition uh but taylor Forrest is uh, she, uh jimmy duressa's girlfriend but she does amazing work she's an uh, incredible designer and um, I don't know if she's on YouTube or not. I don't think she is. She is. She's got 10,000 subs, but her last video was like two years ago. Yeah, yeah. But she does a lot of what I wish and I hope to do at some point. She does uh, She does leather work, but she incorporates leather work into furniture in an incredible way. So they're almost like art pieces. So uh, my thing of the week is this bar stool or a kitchen counter stool that she did and it's a metal frame with these like the scooped leather seat and scooped leather back it's just a beautiful design and holy it's holy crap right like <laughs> it, 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 that is a type of like uh design work that i aspire to be or aspire to do at some point in my life I, I it's just very clean beautiful even if it's not your style you can appreciate the artistic Uh, design behind it and i just i i I love everything that she does um so yeah that's my thing of the week is taylor forrest all of her leather work all of her furniture and all of her
0: designs she's fantastic i I feel like if mc escher designed a stool right this is what it would look like yeah this thing's amazing
1: right isn't it great
0: yeah she's she's fantastic Wow, that is that is impressive as hell. We'll have um I'll have a link to it in the uh, show notes for everybody. That is something holy crap. Yeah, she's she's uh she My does head nice hurts. Work. My head hurts looking at it. Like yeah. This yeah. Is like she's... I don't even know how does she get that per, that curve in the back and just... It's it's perfect,
1: right? I mean, it's just Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's yeah, that wow. is what I would aspire to be as, you know, to create that kind of uh furniture at some point.
0: I don't want Chris to see it because Chris is going to now Chris is going to feel that competition thing and he's going to (laughs) want to make it out of like you know laminated ash or something. Oh, do it! No, actually, I want to see that.
2: I will say that I um, one of the things that happens all the time is when I look at something that is not made of wood, I'm like, how could I make this out of wood?
0: How can you make it out of wood? I do the same thing with leather. It's so funny. (laughs) I do it because I don't really have metalworking skills at all, so I do the same thing. It's like, hmm, if I was to make—not that I ever do it because, you know, my woodworking is pathetic sometimes, but— yeah, I get the same thing where it's like I look at something and I go, Well, how could I that could be made out of wood, right? If I look it if I put that together the right way, it could be made out of wood. I don't know that this one could be made out of wood. I actually <laughs> think
1: though that's a really healthy design uh practice is to look at something and say, How can I make it out of something else? I think that's a really great way of coming yeah. up with new designs.
0: Well, it's kind of the it's the continuously challenging yourself thing mm-hmm. that we we as makers love to do. It's the you know, I know, Chris, you called it, you know, that's your way of kind of saying, calling it competition, but there is it is there is a certain amount of challenging yourself is almost a competition. It's like, could you? It's not so much, could this be made out of wood? It could be. Would it be usable out of wood? Well, that's the challenge, right? Because steel, you can make this out of steel and it's fine. You could easily make something this thin with thin legs and this crazy shape on the back and make it out of steel and it'll work making it out of wood is a bit of an engineering challenge now
2: yeah like have you guys ever seen there's a um i want to say it's like a farmhouse style base but it's made of like either cast iron or wrought iron to be quite honest i don't really know the difference because you know it's not (laughs) wood but um where you can raise and lower the tabletop surface and it's got a gear system and it's like got a hand crank it's very steampunk the one
0: and it, oh. it kind of spreads out, and then the leaves jump into the middle where the older parts. No, parts no, spread. it's just
2: there's like two lifts, kind of one on each side, and it's say like a regular dining table, and you just sort of like lean down, and there's a hand crank, and it'll raise the whole top, and then it'll lower it so it's adjustable. So you can have something at pub height. Or you can have it at regular dining table height, say, Uh, like 30 inches.
0: Yeah, I'm seeing. Yeah, okay. So I just Googled hand crank farmhouse table, and yeah, I can see a bunch of them here. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I've
2: considered making something like that for a while. And one of the things is that, you know, I I do know a guy that has a um, laser. Sorry, not a laser. It's a plasma cutter. It's a CNC plasma cutter. That's what he has. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something like that would be super easy for him to whip up but where's the challenge in that, right? So, you know, then I'm like, okay, well, how can I make this out of wood? And then the problem that I run into is that the only way, at least right now, that I can conceive of making it out of wood is by using plywood, because in order to do gears, you're gonna be running into all sorts of grain direction issues. So you're gonna be losing hmm. strength. And essentially, just from the wear and tear of gears and how they work, you're gonna be in certain situations where the grain's gonna be incredibly weak and it's gonna snap. So there's issues that can kind of be resolved perhaps with say penetrating epoxy or something along those lines but i haven't quite solved that yet and maybe it's something i can't solve and hey if i can't that's fine but you know that's a uh, oh, wow. one of those things where like you said Vincent you know you can look at something and you're like hey i would love to make it out of this but then i'm dealing with some certain limitations that are just inherent to the material that i'm working with so you can either work around them or you can just try to figure out a way to i guess make it better or accept the fact that hey you might not be able to do it so
0: Yeah, just that. not everything not everything's doable just because you want to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, my Thing of the Week real is uh, actually a really quick one. It's just um, so Steve Ramsey is in lives in Northern California and he is on, like most people in northern California, well, most people in California actually, are he's on lockdown. Um, and he is doing he started doing last week a video series where he takes a project from conception to finished. And he's doing a video every single day about it, and it's been pretty awesome watching some kind of old school Steve Ramsey. So, if you're a Steve Ramsey fan, and you know, just a little shameless plug, Steve Ramsey was a guest on this very podcast at one point. Um, but if you're a fan of Steve Ramsey's, you would you will really, really, really dig this um, series that he's doing. I think it's going to probably wind up tomorrow because in today's video he put the finish on this thing. He basically made a printer cart, but he took you from. The beginning to he's taking you from the beginning to the end of the printer card you know showing where it's going to go showing how it's going to be made um it which i guess if you're more experienced woodworker it doesn't sound like the most interesting thing in the world but watching someone else's thought process and how they come up and he's leaving everything in warts and all so he cut he drilled pocket holes in the wrong spot and he's like well okay i'm <laughs> gonna have to do that over and you know coming to terms with his idea for how he was going to hold the doors together didn't work with the material he used to inset in the doors. Like all stuff like this, like th- what 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 I like about something like this is I like seeing people's thought processes as they're doing things, not just watching them make a project. And if I can learn from your thought process, that's a win. And he there's a lot of stream of consciousness that goes on in these videos and it's really really interesting because Steve is for a lot of people, and myself included, Steve is the godfather of woodworking on YouTube. You know, I got into woodworking because of Steve Ramsey. So seeing Steve Ramsey going through the process that I go through when I make something, we're like, oh, damn, that didn't work. Okay, well, what can we do to make it work? And it, it's just a really cool process. Today was video seven. I think tomorrow or maybe the day after will be video eight because, and Chris will get a good laugh out of this, he used, um, he was, oh, no, he didn't. He was going to use Danish oil. And it's like, oh, well, once you use Danish oil, that's it. You got to wait three days now before you can do anything else to it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I hate Danish oil. I love the way it looks. I hate waiting three days to do anything with Danish oil stuff. Oh.
2: I mean, Danish oil is child's play compared to what I'm using, which is. Oh, I I, saw. Yeah. I do the Malouf finish, which is got the uh, Real Milk Paint Company's pure tongue oil. And that takes approximately six to seven days for a full cure. So. A lot of times, I'll, I'll be quite honest, like I'll just stack the coats on. And here in South Florida, too, where the temperatures are a little warmer, I like to believe that it kicks off a little bit quicker as far as the cure times. But, I mean, really, I'm just stacking coats on and then wiping it off and then throwing it in the house or, you know, getting a temperature acclimated and letting it cure like get it get its full cure like while it's actually like in where it's living because Mm -hmm. i just don't have time that's
0: actually a good idea yeah that's actually not a bad idea and also you you any weirdness that goes on with the finish and you can kind of see it happen on the fly rather than find out a couple of days later after it's in the place like oh wow, wow okay that wasn't fully cured or acted weird when it got into the air conditioning. That's that's kinda cool actually.
2: Yeah, and I also have a theory. I don't know if I've been able to prove it yet, but you know, I use the wipe on poly uh either from Minwax or whoever. I mean, really it doesn't matter to me. I just get a wipe on poly and that's part three of this Maloof blend. And that stuff cures pretty quick. So that stuff cures Mm -hmm. within about twenty four hours. So in my head hey at least there's this sort of outside seal of wipe on poly that's on the table and then everything else is curing is just doing its magic or whatever inside the wood while this stuff is on the outside which doesn't make any sense when you really say it out loud because it's a three-part, well-blended finish, <laughs> but it gives me comfort inside, and really, that's what matters. So you know. yeah,
1: it's,
0: it's all about yes. it's all about self-comfort. <laughs> yes. it's, it's that, that warm, warm feeling comfort. inside. Yes. <laughs> um, why don't you, uh, Chris? Why don't you tell people where they can find you? And as usual, we'll have the links for Chris's stuff in our in our show notes, and uh, we're gonna get on up <coughs> out of here.
2: All right. So on Instagram, I am at Cow Dog Craftworks. All one word, standard spelling. Also the same at YouTube and on Facebook. And if you're looking for me on Twitter, it is Cowdog Craft Work with no
1: S. Why? Because I, it's too many letters. Yeah, it's I think I ran out of letters, letters. if I'm For
0: the same reason I'm handmade by VF. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, I don't even know what I am. But... E carter underscore designs, is that you? Probably. Yeah, I think that's what yours is. I always have trouble finding you on Twitter. <laughs> it's like, why Why would I know your Twitter handle? It's not like we know each other or anything. Well, you're the reason I got on Twitter, so... I, I dragged you mm-hmm. kicking and screaming yeah. onto Twitter. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I still
1: don't understand how Twitter followers. works, so... <laughs> Was
2: that? I said, I still don't understand how Twitter works, so... No, neither do I. That.
0: It's... Twitter is... I don't know. I mean, I feel like you have to be on Twitter... But I don't feel like you have to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> like, ugh, you know, it's just... Uh, uh, well, you gotta do it. You don't exist if you're not on Twitter. I really feel like you don't exist if you're not on Twitter. I, I hate to say it but some of the best content I consume
2: is on Twitter and I have no idea how to use Twitter to my benefit and maybe that doesn't matter maybe it really doesn't Yeah, maybe I, mean, right. I just need to just love it for what it is
0: and just enjoy it for what it is yeah. just be just just be a really big Instagram celebrity and then everybody will start calling you an influencer and sooner or later you'll be doing bikini modeling just like all the others it'll be awesome <laughs> which by the way if you're not if speaking of Instagram influencers just a funny little throw in it the end of the show here if you've never seen the instagram account influencers in the wild it's one of the greatest instagram accounts that has ever been created oh my god Dave! i don't know how somehow or another dave swiduck and i found it at (laughs) the same time and i was laughing at it and then he mentioned it on um digital soup and it was like yeah see everyone knows about this account now it's the greatest instagram account and there's this one video on tonight and everyone should go look at this it's just this chick standing in front of um, a selfie stick on a monopod with legs, and she's in a cat suit and she's dancing, and it's like, oh my god, like, do d- d- people have no shame? <laughs> mm-hmm. And the answer, from apparently based on this account, is no, they do not have a single lick of shame in. Them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's gonna do it for this week. We see, I told you we were gonna have a guest, and I'm gonna tell you something else. We have at least three more guests coming up in the next couple of weeks we have a guest next week, a guest the week after and a guest the week after that so we're not going to tell you who they are because you know we like to tease, but we do have guests coming up for the next couple of weeks so hope you like having guests instead of just Ethan and I because you're going to get them Um, until next week everybody, have a great week we will be back, please leave a review if you have a minute and um, hope you enjoyed the show talk to you later